Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rugby Coffee, it's Cornet Durant, and this is our podcast, episode 5, and joining me today is Sam Nixon, we have announced him as a rugby ambassador for Rugby Coffee, and just a reminder to everybody out there, maybe this is your first time listening, but the purpose of and mission of Rugby Coffee um, is to really get the rugby community mobilized and um, getting them to help um, make a difference um, to kids' lives through rugby charities um, by buying coffee and promoting uh, the game itself. But also a very important thing is that we want to talk all sorts of um, rugby and all sorts of levels on this podcast. But... Um, just want to welcome Sam. How are you, buddy? Uh, yeah, but pretty good. Uh, pretty good at the moment. Um, just got back from France, so uh, yeah, not too bad. Good, good. Back to the rain, you say. Um, so, how's the family? How's the farm? Yeah. And, um, yeah, everything. Um, yeah, the family's good. Um, yeah, they're happy for the fact that I'm back and I'm actually, um, I can help out on the farm again. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, the, the farm, the farm's been good, you know, uh, yeah, with the rain and everything, I've been able to, uh, yeah, apparently it's been pretty dry here, like it's been back in France and I've turned up and it's, uh, it hasn't stopped raining. So, uh, yeah. Good old British weather, but it's good. It's um, really good that we have this rain. But hey, tell me um, a little bit about the farm and has it been uh, impacted by COVID at all? Or, um, you know, are you got, are your folks um, keeping things going? Um, you know, and tell people about what kind of farm it is. Um, so it's a it's a dairy farm um and um so basically yeah dairy farm they spend half a half the year indoors half the year outdoors um in and it basically yeah with the, the virus it's um it hasn't really affected us at all it's actually been quite good for the fact that i've been able to come home from where i was at bath at the time when we the lockdown started i was able to come home and work on the farm with my cousin who was at school and he got sent home as well um and yeah it's been for us we've managed to get a lot of jobs done and uh and like for who we're with supplying as well um it was it's cheese so for them as well it it didn't really matter either you know the virus but some other farms haven't been so lucky um so yeah no it's been it's been good it's been good to spend a bit of time with the family yeah it sounds that sounds great that the didn't affect you because this is such a such a big thing that happened and came over everybody's lives um how has it impacted you in a professional as a professional rugby player uh oh as you can imagine for rugby it's been uh it's been an absolute it's yeah changed changed the scene of rugby i think forever um in some parts um at the club, obviously, we had uh, pay deductions at the club. Um, obviously, a few a few other clubs was um, big pay deduction, bigger pay deductions than we did at twenty five percent. 
Um, people have lost jobs, and yeah, no, it's been for rugby. It's been hit really hard. Um, you know, it's financially, it's been hard on a lot of clubs. Um, individually, for me, at like wise rugby wise, I've had to do a lot of individual rugby training. Um, especially that I wasn't finishing off this this continued season with Bath. Um, you know, I did all my individual training, getting ready for moving over to France and, uh, yeah. And it's, I imagine for a lot of, for a lot of people, it's either ended their career or, um, yeah, it, it, for, for the rugby hasn't been overly great. Yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? So can I, um, ask you, how have you been adapting to living in France? And you can tell people about where you are as well, if you'd like. Yeah. Um, moving to France, uh, well, first thing is um, getting flies out there for the virus is almost impossible. Uh, so, yeah, trying to get there was, yeah, was tough enough. Um, but, yeah, moving out there has been they, – they've looked after me so well and they've, uh, they've helped, really helped me settle in with, um, you know – with uh, getting a house and, you know, making sure I've got a car so I can actually get places. And, uh, yeah, it's the weather's been nice. Um, so I've moved to um, a club called Bion, um in the Basque, which is um, very southwest of France. It's on the border of Spain. Um, and it's – oh, if, if you don't know Bayon, you I'm sure you'll know of Buritz. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a really, really nice place with very strange weather patterns. Um, so I've been told by the lads, um, when I actually visited the club, it was in January and it was, uh, yeah, I think it was like 26 degrees in the middle of Feb, I think it was. Um, and out there now at the moment, it can vary from 35 degrees to, it never goes below 25, 26 degrees. That is it's, yeah, um, but yeah, I've been told I haven't witnessed it yet. But when it rains, it really does rain, and it will rain for hard for like twenty days nonstop. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. But we'll uh, we'll take that one. I you know I come to it. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you're gonna move to France, uh, that sort of part of the world is a perfect place to go and and do rugby i know it's pretty hot now um pre-season or summertime but um you know you can't get better than that yeah it's um tell me yeah no it is a lovely place yeah tell me about the people so far have they um i know it's it's uh coronavirus and and people are a bit more uh, less out and about but have you met some people? Do they know you part of the club? Um, yeah, in um, in France uh, or Bayonne, it, it's very similar to Bath in respect that um, it's a rugby city, and especially in the southwest of France, there is it. Rugby is huge, so um, you know you've you've got you've got your Toulouse, you've got your Bordeaux, you've got your Pau, you've got your um, Beziers, you've got there's um, and you obviously you've got Bayon and Baritz, which are both ones in the top 14 and one's a European champion. Um, and yeah, it's uh, the, the the people have been made me feel really welcome. Um, the 
whenever I go anywhere or, you know, they, if they know I'm from Bayonne or, you know, I play for the rowing, um, they, you know, they, they stop and chat and, uh, yeah. And obviously it's, it's nice. Yeah. And it's nice to speak French to them as well. How is your French? French? Uh, it's, it's so I can start a conversation. It's okay. I'm um, I'm getting French lessons through the club and um, it's coming on quickly, um, but yeah, I, I feel it's it's so, such an important factor about moving out there. Um, it and the club it is it's it's a very French club as well, so it's important that I I learn French and uh, yeah, I'm uh, it's coming on, it's getting there. That's great because um, do you know what a scrum is in France and French then? It's melee. It's a melee. Exactly. Um, you should have known yes. that before then, you got there, didn't you? Yes, I did know that. Yeah, yeah. And I did know the <laughs> the crouch the crouch bind set as well. I I did learn some important things. Um I didn't know a line out was a touche. Um touche, okay. yeah. Um but yeah, no, it's yeah, it's it's a learning curve. The meetings are interesting. <laughs> that is good, and I'm sure you're going to be uh, a, a big hit with your French there. But let's talk 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 a bit of coffee now. Um, what is your favorite coffee? Your go-to coffee, and why? Uh, so my go-to coffee uh, will be a flat white. It used to be a, a latte. It's now a flat white, and uh, the reason behind it is it's a good. It's uh, a nice in between of quality and quantity. Uh, so also you can also have two without your eyeballs popping out. Um, so yeah, what a flat white. Um, and you know, yeah, it's no, I'm yeah, big flat white man. That's fantastic. And um, you know, you know, in France and and the coffee, they take their coffee a bit different. Um, are you used to a double espresso now? Uh, yeah, I've, I've kind of got on with the double espressos and the, the other lads absolutely lap it up. Um, the espressos there, I know they're, they're meant to be strong, but they're very, very strong. And, uh, and obviously they're small as well. And the, even the cafe long doesn't go a long way either. Um, but yeah, no, the coffee, the coffee out there is, they do love their coffee. No, definitely. Hey, um, for, uh, professional player and athlete it's a good thing for training days um before games etc uh, do you use it like that or not really um i do yes i um i use it as a because i know a lot of lads use it as a stimulant so i use it as a, a stimulant as well but also like a bit of relaxation as well um so yeah i before games i'll regularly drink coffee uh a lot of coffee or or tea um for some lads it's like yeah it's a very important part of game day and uh or if not game day training um i'm at, when i was at bath i used to regularly drink if not um you know two to three mugs of uh coffee it would be tea as well um so yeah no some lads it's it's a massive part of their training week yeah and i guess when it's um in in season it's also cold and uh, in the middle of december january feb it helps with that side of things as well 
Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, ice coffee's so, big here. So, <laughs> so Sam, you you had a really interesting journey so far in your in your playing career. But we'll um I think we'll get to that in a minute. But tell us exactly where you're from and then where you went to school and uh, what experiences you had growing up that shaped your early journey and you as a person. Uh, yeah, um yeah, it's been a bit of a weird one. Um, so I'm from uh, the proper southwest of England. So I'm uh, uh, near a place uh, called Glastonbury um, or near Yeovil. Um, and I went to school. I went to school in Street, which is just down the road uh, to Millfield. Um, it, was, it was a very good school and um, that helped me massively with my rugby journey and, um, and my career. Um, pushing me in the right direction and uh yeah my the experiences growing up that shaped, shaped my journey was um my first my first experiences were um going to rugby matches with my dad as a, a water boy or helping out and I I grew up believing that's what every Saturday or weekend was dedicated to um and yeah that that was an obviously an easy a first start of why I wanted to do it um and um and I you know over the over the journey of moving off it, it was mainly it was mainly the love of it came from really early on um sometimes some years I lost a bit of interest um but when I when I moved to Millfield it pushed me it pushed me to take it a lot more seriously um and that I that had a massive effect on on what I did as well um as well as playing social rugby I did that as well for quite a bit and that that again that was the social side of it's very important Definitely, and tell me a, a, a little bit about after school, because you were not one of the lucky ones from Millfield or from the big schools that um, that got a contract or uh, got into academy, um, a Premiership academy. So um, it must have been a, a pretty uh, tough one to take. But also, you know, um, what what was your plans from there, and how did you go about it? So um basically that year um in my upper sixth year um I was the starting loose at Millfield which was at the time we were if not one of the best the um were at the top of the rugby pyramid for schools um pretty much almost the whole team um bar me and a few other lads were in the academy of some sort um, and I was obviously, I thought I should have been in one. And, um, that's at the time, that's my, that's what I, I felt like. And I, yeah, I wasn't. And it, and I, um, for, for a while, I was like, well, look, you know, it seems like I've missed the boat. And, um, I was, I was, um, I'd, I'd made peace of the fact that I thought I was just going to, carry on and um, play play for a local club down the road, work on the farm and that was gonna be my that was gonna be my thing. And I wasn't overly 
I was like, oh, I wasn't overly bothered with it. I basically, I'd accepted that I missed the boat and that was it. And um, we'd even got asked by um, a few people, like a few lecturers and people that come in and asked who wanted to be professional. And by by the, when at that stage, by the end, I frankly, I couldn't care less. And, uh, and my whole idea of, uh, was just, yeah, basically play, play for a local team and have a normal job. Um, and yeah, that basically leads on to, um, it basically leads on to the reason I ended up getting into it. Okay. And, um, you, you then, um, came to London Scottish where I was part of, uh, academy coaching team and you came into a newly set up senior academy which was academy that was really for players like yourself who, who sort of didn't get in uh, any late developers etc players who, who, who feel they can they can play decent rugby still and want to want to go through a process and you ended up at scottish i think we we're only in our second year of that academy so um Tell us a little bit about that and why you did this massive round trip twice, three times a week from your farm in Yeovil, Somerset, all the way to London and Richmond to come and do your rugby. Um, yeah, God, yeah, it was a big old, big old journey. Um, but so how how it all came about was um, so when I basically accepted that I was going to play for a local club or do you know just do a normal job and like everything like that I'd, I'd accepted that and I ended up um I ended up playing for a local side um and yeah basically it was it was the top of the table the team I was playing for was uh like near the bottom but they they weren't going to get relegated they were quite safe and it was like the big the big like grudge derby match and I remember, and I'd literally, it was in the summer term of my last year at school. And I was like, I used to, I used to do my lessons on a Friday and the school, the uh, rugby master or the coach used to let me go out and play, uh, play on weekends. And yeah, basically we we're in this, this derby match and, um, and it was a sim, um, and basically we were going to win the game. And it was a simple two-on-one pass for this other lad. And, uh, yeah, basically, this lad thought it would be funny to chuck behind the, the back pass. And we went and lost this this game that was, you know, that for everyone it meant meant a lot. And then afterwards, after the game, people were like, oh, uh, oh look, we, you know, we basically tried our hardest. What could we do? And, uh, and no one seemed to care. And the, the build-up to the game was really lax. Everything There were some people that had turned up still peed up from the night before. And obviously, I'd been used to being like everyone in it, you know, turns up and, you know, gives, you know, the best their ability. Um, and, yeah, basically, that pushed me to an edge where I thought, well, actually, I can't, I don't think I can do this amateur rugby um, because I think I'm the only one that's actually, you know, taking it seriously. Um, so yeah, basically it's a journey came to looking around at what I was going to do after I left school and yeah, I, I had some weird to sit like, uh, ideas. Some of them involved staying at school for another year. Uh, some involved going to a 
a rival of quite a big rival college for a year. Um, and yeah, then I spoke to um, a good friend called Alec Coon, um, who is uh, who was at Scottish at the time. I think he's, he does. He's doing the Scotland sevens. He's really kicked on and. And I asked him in the library, I was saying to him, you know, you know, I'm looking at maybe trying to get into the championship or some club. And he goes, oh, well, I'm at London Scottish. And uh, so that's when I started investigating to see if there was an opening or something I could do. Uh, and that's when obviously I stumbled across, you know, um, that you were looking for players. And um, yeah, and I remember turning up. Um, yeah, after the, what was it, traveling? I think it was like a 220 mile round trip, three times a week, two for training, one for a game. Yeah, and um, I remember the people there were like, uh, like you said, they were people that had either slipped through the academy, um, academy net. Um, they'd either been in academies and been released. Um, some of the were with the first team. And needed extra training or games, and yeah, and everyone was someone had uh, if they weren't that they were definitely county, um, and yeah, it was it was like a perfect, you know, I thought that that, well, that would be the, you know, London Scottish would be the club that I could go on and play for the first team, um, so yeah, I chose that, and I, I'm glad I did. I, I'm, I'm so glad about um, your journey to us because I remember um, we went to your front row and you came to us as a loose head. Um, but uh, going to people in the club, Ben Edwards, uh, Mark Whitehead, bless his soul, um, a couple of others, Martin, and, and they were part of the front row union. Uh, can you tell uh, people a little bit about what these guys did for you to to make it a, a little bit easier, you know, to make this 220 mile at time, you know, three times a week trip? Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, it, if it wasn't for them, um, I think that my journey would have ended pretty quickly. I think um, because. They 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 came together and they um, they decided to sponsor me, um, and that sponsorship money paid for my um, travel expenses. Um, so I could actually it wasn't yeah it was it was to do with more yeah travel expenses. So I could just I could drive there, and uh, yeah that that went a long way. Like obviously, um, I was working on the farm um, in in the time I wasn't with the rugby. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't for them, I know I keep in good contact with Ben. And um, you know, if, if it wasn't for them, yeah, especially not just in my first year, but my second year as well, uh, combined with the club, um, yeah, it, it would have been again, it would have been a very short trip. Yeah, I think this is what rugby is, um, you know, highlighting is the people and the people who's willing to sort of support others and um you know uh, these guys and the club um you know got together and uh, you know made made a way and that that's fantastic because if like you say if this didn't happen potentially they, that would have shortened your sort of um you know time being around an environment that potentially can push you further but tell us a little bit about you went from 
Scottish into being part of the first team sort of squad um, as as a, um, one of our more elite academy players. Then you went to National One. Yes. Um, so the second year, um, I um, I remember the front row union and the the club decided that they would together um, spot. Um, half sponsorship with a uh, half wage uh, to make me full time. So that was my yeah first professional contract. Um, I think that was the fifteen sixteen season. Uh, I was nineteen at the time, and that basically that um, enabled me to a- actually live in London and train full time with the the lads there and the lads that had been sent on loan from different places. Uh, we had a lad that had just left Chiefs, um, Will Carrick-Smith, um, a lad, uh, all good friends now, um, we're, uh, the, from Edinburgh, um, Jack Cosgrove. We had uh, James Gibbons from Gloucester. We had a, um, Rory Bartle. There's loads of lads and it's, uh, you know, that you're around those lads that are in, you know, that were normally in prem environments that come on loan and, um, you know, that, just that level of exposure every day and actually, you know, um, getting that exposure, not just three times a week, but, you know, five to six times a week. Um, you know, that gave me the experience, the strength training, the, the durability. Um, so yeah, when I, when I had to, um, the London Scottish went through a bit of a transition period at the end of that season um, I, oh, you'll remember it, corner, yeah. Um, with the SRU, and um, yeah, basically, my I was I was no longer needed by the club, so I ended up having to look around for basically another club, and it came down to, well, if I could get it a bit, obviously, a bit closer to home would would make it a lot easier, um, but also a national one team that was um, a was. Um, the A wanted to get back into the championship, but B that had had for me the right quality um, was a basically a forward dominated club, and I I looked around for a while. I was uh, I went had several interviews with uh, Nat two clubs, a couple of Nat one clubs. Um, I had some champ interest as well at the time. Um, but all of it, again, the playing, you know, I'm not sure how much I would have played. So that's when Plymouth came up and they were in a transition period as well. They'd just come out of administration and the club itself looks, um, some new owners have t- turned up, uh, Dave Venables and, um, and uh, Bruce. And uh, basically... I saw that they were they were they needed some players, and I was like, "Well, I went down there, met a bloke called Nigel Sparrow at the time, and he was he said to me that you know that they wanted me, and I was exactly the sort of player I was uh, they were looking for, and um, that basically their their aim was to get back into the championship, and they had the stadium, they had the fans, and." Um, and then after another meeting, when Nigel came to uh, where I lived uh, back back home, 
um, it pretty much sealed it for me. And uh, yeah, now I'm glad it was yeah some of the the best best part of my rugby career there. That's fantastic. I I remember um, reading uh, you know you know the rugby paper. Um, reading reports and it seemed like you guys absolutely scrummed um the national one league that year is that correct yeah um that year we had um we had some great players we had it it just happened to work out really well we had a lot of champ lads that wanted to move were from originally devon and cornwall that wanted to move home um so we ended up putting together a team that I think, um, in my opinion, I reckon we could have actually done all right that year in the champ. Um, we had um, we had Tom Cowan Dickey, um, Luke's brother. He was playing. We had Herbie Stuffle, who'd been at Chiefs. Uh, we had Dan Williams, who'd have been Gloucester. Um, we had loads of, loads of lads there that had been either full-time professionals before um, or had been at Chiefs or other places. And yeah, that year the mall and the scrum. I think between the between both the mall and the scrum, you must have scored about twenty odd plus tries from them. And for obviously a front row or front front five aspect, it looked really good. And oh, and obviously I learned a lot as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's probably why I enjoyed it so much. It was just mall and brawling every uh, every weekend. Samuel, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, uh, great. Um, what, um, what else? What do? What else do you want to know about uh, Plymouth? No, no. Just um, from there, you got um, you know pulled to across by Bath. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with. Uh, with how that worked out was I ended up getting uh, called by um, so my agent at the time I I was like my whole ambition was um, either to go with Plymouth back to the championship or to get back into the championship and I remember um, I was asking my agent what the the crack was we got you know if I had much interest and 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 then suddenly I went from you know oh, a few champ clubs are looking to next minute he says all oh, these prem clubs have been showing interest. Um, it's mainly because the a lot of the prem academies send their lads to national one initially, and I was regularly playing against other lads in academies, um, and and it obviously it it showed well. So I got invited to play the A-League for Bath and that was the basically my uh, platform, another platform to show, you know, that I wanted to be, you know, full-time again. And um, halfway through that season, Bath went through a bit of a, um, A, a bit of an injury crisis, but B, they needed someone to play in the A-League. It's like, you know, full-time, so it wasn't a guess. And that's where it was perfect that I could... You know, with my job at the time and the fact that um, with Plymouth, there was, you know, there were not, you know, the the agreement we had, I could I could go. Um, that I I basically joined uh, Bath in February uh, that year of me being at Plymouth, 
And um, and then, yeah, first week I was there, I was on the bench for the anglo Welsh against Newcastle. And, you know, within six months of, you know, kind of having to, you know, not needed, required by Scottish, um, I went from, you know, not not being interested at all in the champ to play, you know, being at a Prem club and being in a senior game. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big, yeah, it was a big swing. It, it changed, it changed yeah. pretty much overnight. Um, but yeah, that year I managed to then speaking to Stuart Hooper at the time, I said to him, um, I said to him, obviously, look, you know, I was told by the coach of Plymouth at the time, Kieran Hallett, just to, you know, remember, you know, that Plymouth have kind of helped you out and, you know, you held them back. So I, I said to Stuart about, because um, he was the director of performance at the time, I said, well, look, you know, can I can I go back on loan um, when I'm not needed at Bath? And it was perfect then that I could train full-time, with the, you know, full-time with the first team and do all the strength and conditioning at Bath and then play and do, you know, the main training sessions at Plymouth. And, yeah, that year was perfect, you know, for rugby development. And, you know, yeah, I yeah, loved that. I loved that year. It was, you know, it was a nice, it was a good roller coaster. Yeah, it's fantastic when you think about where you were um, just after school or just, just the last bit of school and didn't get a contract, uh, academy contract, playing uh, a bit of social rugby, which is social rugby, that's understandable. You know, there's a certain attitude in social rugby, which is a good one as well, but totally different if, if you're a driven person, you know, and especially a young guy. So, and then you ended up getting into a premiership club close, close to home. It, it couldn't be perfect, more perfect, you know. And the people at um, Bath, talk to me about um, and to everybody about the people who helped you sort of um, at Bath, at really, um, especially in your scrummaging and, and the forward play. Um, so, yeah, uh, with... When I when I went to Bath, that um, obviously the level the level of coaching and everything, I I had uh, many not just players but um, so not just coaches but players as well. Um, so at Bath initially, the person that helped me out the most was actually uh, Mark Lilly because I went from I was actually a loose head when I arrived, but I ended up playing pretty much um, every game at tight head because um, we didn't have many tight heads and I could play tight head as well. I played quite a bit of National 1 as tight head as well. So Mark Lilly, I remember we were put, about to play um, Bristol and I uh, wasn't picked for the game. And that was the game, this is pre-season, that was a game against the championship side. They'd just been relegated. And I thought that if there was a game I was going to play in, that was going to be it. And, uh, yeah, basically, long and short of it, I wasn't picked um, at loose head, which I was, I was gutted about. And then um, the day of the game, I got a phone call saying that Sean Knight had been injured. Um, he'd hurt his neck. And, you know, um, I'm on the bench at tyres. 
So, yeah, next minute I've gone from, you know, I didn't think I was going to play a single game in pre-season um, to I played every game and two of the games against uh, Leinster and Ospreys, I played um, 40 minutes in each of them and I, it went really well. And that was um, a lot of that was down to Mark Lilly helping me before the games. Me and him would go out on the scrum machine um you know, before training, after training, just trying to get my like eye in and set up for playing Tyses. Um and you know, that helped me that helped me out loads and uh Sean Knight, uh um and Paranese, uh they had yeah, huge, huge helpings on, you know, with my, my footwork and stuff like that. Um and it's actually it wasn't just that was just then early on in Bath. Um, it was actually when I went on loan as well that helped me out massively with the coaching. Between I had uh, Nick Rouse at Rotherham. I, I spent a couple couple of weeks there with him, and he he helped me out quite a lot. He was a good bloke as well. Um, and then I went the year after. I ended up um, uh, at Yorkshire Carnegie. Um, they had only they it was only a few years that before they were actually in the prem and I was there. Steve Bowden was the scrum coach or the head forwards coach at the time. Um, he's now at Don uh, Doncaster, and he had he's had a massive effect on how I scrum and um, I thought he's he was a very 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 good coach. Um, he's I think players speak highly of him, but I don't think he gets enough credit for the work he does. Um, and then that's when um, that at the next year after Neil Hatley's arrived, and again he's me and him have had some good one-on-ones. He's obviously come as the scrum coach from the England set up, um, and he's obviously given me a few other, you know, not just around the scrum but around the pitch. You know what he wants the tight ends to do and. Um, it gave me a good, you know, a good platform for this year. Right, and you, you've um, obviously worked now with quite a lot of uh, quality coaches and players, and, um, and now you find yourself uh, uh, with Yannick Brew. Is he, is he still um, your coach at uh, Bayonne uh, as the scrum coach? He's the head coach, isn't he? Uh, He's the yeah he's the uh, the head coach uh, DOR. Um, I can't I can't I wrote these rugby the terminologies is I think he's 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 uh, he does helps with the scrums. He is he was the ex scrum coach for France, um, but Joel Ray yeah. is the the current scrum coach at, um, at Bayonne and. Yeah, between it, between uh, Joel and uh, and Yannick, you know, I've I there's another wealth of experience there, you know, and when me and me and Joel and me and uh, Yannick have had, you know, after the sc- the scrum sessions, me we all then look over the scrums together and talk about, you know, um, my my set, um, setups and. Uh, my processes, as well as talking about other lands, and you know what I feel and what I think, and um, you know their some of their point of views and stuff, how they want to scrummage. And in France, I keep on getting reminded how important the scrum is. 
Um, the scrum in France for a lot of clubs is the be all and end all. You know, it's such a mental uh, boost um, to them playing, and so and they they always remind me, you know, that it's you know a, an important, you know, a tight, a good tight head is an important man in France. Um, so I'm just yeah, basically I'm just trying yeah. to do as well as I can. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to learn a different side of things, but also that mentality side of things can is probably totally different, as you point out. But, you know, uh, those guys are amazing coaches. Is another uh, another sort of um, environment where you learn so much more. But if you can, do yourself a favor. Guthrow Strand Camp's not too far from you. Go and have a, a, do some individual work, just extra work with him. Um, you know, I know he's been doing really well with different, um, you know, players and their development. But look, um, tell us, uh, how many games have you played? You've played in a Heineken Cup, a European Cup, a Champions Cup um, for Bath. You've um, played in a Premiership. Am I correct? How many games have you played? Yeah. In the Heineken um, Cup? And, so... And the I played. I think I played five or six um, champion, Champions Cup or Heineken Cup um, games, and I think I played about five to six uh, Prem games. And they came. Yeah, quite a lot of them were just the season that's just gone or is about to carry on, um, and the year before. Um, my first yeah. Heineken Cup game came. Um, in my first full year at the club. So I finished my um, f- the first season with Bath, the half season with Plymouth. That finished. And that year that year um, that started, uh, like I said about the pre-season games, I then was suddenly a tight head. And, um, yeah, I ended up I ended up playing in uh, the Heineken Cup uh, that year. Um, and, yeah, it was, yeah, it was obviously... Again, another another you know six months previously, I was playing in National One, and um, you know I was playing in the Level Three, and next minute I'm playing in the Champions Cup in in front of a packed out stadium. Um, in like obviously the yeah. not just the um, yeah in the not in the Challenge, but actually in the Champions Cup, and it was um, yeah it was pretty special. Yeah, hey. So uh, fantastic! Yeah. I'm just so delighted to hear that you've you've got to this point um, where you you're only 23, if I'm not um, mistaken, but young prop. Um, it shows you the route that um, you know you took. Is still, if you're driven enough, um, you know it's um, it's still there for for people who can push push through. Um, you know, and uh, and for that. Um, that mental attitude that you you took after you th- sort of said, "Look, I'm now just just going to play social rugby just after school," and then all of a sudden, in a space of four years, uh, five years, you've gone and play played one of the top competitions in the world um, for a very uh, top club, and now you're in Bar and Bayonne, um, and where you're going to take that next step, and I and we wish you all the best for that and. But um, so I want to ask you now, what apart from the Heineken Cup, um, 
any achievements, school rugby, um, any achievements that that you're very proud of um, in your short career? Just uh, name a few, a couple maybe that you're really happy with. Um, yeah, um, yeah. There's been a there's been a, a few special moments. Um, some of them some of them are quite small. Some of them are, are quite big. It's just they they seem quite big at the time. Um, so when I was at school, getting my full colours for Millfield was that was like for me at the time was the be all and end all. The fact that I got full colours for in the first team and I got my name put up on the on the um, the colours boards in actually in the changing room for me that that meant a lot. Um, Amazing, and yeah. it meant meant a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, um, and then probably my first professional contract with. Uh, with Scottish was another special moment, um, mainly because I think mainly that one was because um, it was like the first box ticked off on my journey because the whole idea was I was going to go as far as I could get with rugby and if that was professional or semi-professional, then so be it. Um, so when I felt, you know, ticked off that 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 was a huge you know that was the right step in the direction I wanted to go in um and obviously yeah, I've talked about my Champions Cup debut um for the reasons obviously you know how within a short period of time I've got you know it, it was such a surreal um moment uh, not just for me but for my uh, for my family um which leads me on to um probably my prem prem debut um so that year that year when i made my prem debut um i'd spent a lot of time on loan to leeds um i'd only played in two of the four anglo welsh games or the sorry the prem cup that year i think it was called and um yeah and basically i didn't feel like i got the opportunities i should have got that year um it was um and that year, particularly at the um, at the club, um, you know the opportunities weren't given. I don't I don't think fairly, and that I I set myself a goal that at the by the end of that year, even though the, the season was so bleak, um, I was having to travel obviously how many hundreds of miles to play for. For Leeds, uh, Yorkshire in the Championship, which obviously it helped me out a lot and it gave me, you know, it made me a far better player because of it. You know, the fact that I couldn't play for Bath in the Prem Cup games, which was meant for uh, developing younger players, it, it, it really um, it really upset me. And so when when near the end of that year, I, um, I you know, I, I went, you know, gave everything I got to make sure that I got a Prem debut. And that was when um, they finally, um, against Wasps um, in the Prem, the second to last game of the year, um, we we needed uh, we needed to win both games just to, with five points, just to even guarantee us to be in the Champions Cup the year after or this year. And, you know, I finally, I finally got on the pitch. Um, but waiting, you know, I I really I was unlucky not to get the prem debut the year the year after I left Plymouth. So when I finally got it in front, obviously in front of my 
family and girlfriend. Obviously, it was a it was a massive it was a massive relief, but also, you know, that was my you know that was the thing I was aiming for. And um, then obviously, I then had to obviously set a new goal, and obviously that's that's just how it goes. You you know, one goal at a time. Yes, um, to be honest, from my point of view, I'm so delighted. And um, just um, one thing that you can't forget, though, is when we um, played in the academy in the New oh, Year's yeah. Eve yeah, game, yeah. Uh, where you captained yes. the London Scottish Academy against Richmond in an uh, annual New Year's Eve game. And and uh, Richmond's always very good, and they're always organised, and, and they... They always won it, but that year it was the first year we've won it. Um, and you lifted the yeah. little trophy that you normally get. Um, me and Louise yeah. Meadows no, no, that were, was, were coaches then, and yeah, that um, was a, it was a fun day. A fun day. Yeah, no, that was a that was a yeah. I forgot about that. That was actually uh, yeah, that was very good because the year before, <laughs> I remember we came very I'm just close. Just joking, but it was a fun day. Yeah. No, I um, the year before we we came very close to winning, and I remember I remember thinking, you know, I'll give it another year. You know, the academy, you know, we were quite new, and uh, I remember one of my be- one of my good mates actually played in the game uh, the year before and the year before that, and you know, um, and I remember thinking, you know, when the second year, I was like, you know what, um, I think we can do it, and we. We we started off the game really well, didn't we? And then um, they we kind of let it slip. And I remember we we managed to get the kick at the end. And yeah, no, that was that was a very it brought us together a lot as a team. And uh, I think it'd been five years they'd held that trophy. So no, it was nice to not only win it but be actually the captain. Yeah, no, it was lovely. Look. Um... I, I know we're almost at 50 minutes. Normally, we want to try and work it as 30 minutes, but it's been worth every minute so far. So um, if I can ask you this, um, what would you, for um, youngsters out there, you know, that maybe not be in an academy, etc., in a professional environment, have you got any any advice for them? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so... The, like the advice I would give um, is definitely keep digging away and uh, leave nothing to chance because that's for me that's what worked for me was uh, you know I I hit some big drawbacks um, over my over my like it's uh, my journey and and that that helped massively and and uh, and that comes on to the fact that you've got to enjoy the enjoy the journey regardless of the graphs up and downs as long as you enjoy or you love rugby and you enjoy what you're doing um you can you know you can keep on podding on when even it's it's not very good um and yeah not coming on to not being you know professional um you know at the end of the day it's you know, if you're not professional straight out of school, it's not the end of the world. Um, there's many paths. Um, there's many paths you can take to get to the top. Um, and obviously, mine was slowly going. You know, championship, taking the step to the nat one, and then working up that way. Um, I know many lads that have, you know, gone through uni, 
gone through other clubs, gone through, um, you know, playing A-League and next minute. Um, the A-League had a massive effect on me, to be fair, getting through the door. Um, you know, it's not the end of the world. So, you know, just there is many routes you know, to the top. Wise word. Yeah, wise word, Sam. And, um, you know, even if you don't make it, you, you had a go. You had a good go. And like you say, not leaving nothing to chance. Um, if you, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Um, if you can describe yourself in one or two words, what would it be? Um, all right. Right, if I, uh, oh, God, that's a tough one, actually. Uh, on the, on if I spot. had to describe on myself. On the spot, if I had to describe myself, um, just uh, yeah, oh, that is tough. I'd probably, I'd just probably say that uh, I'm you, just here, you, you know. Normal Sam. Right. No, I, I tell you what, Sam. I will give you my 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 take as a uh, driven as one word that describes you really well, and then the other. If you describe me in two words, it might take again is Sam Nixon because there's only one Sam Nixon, you know, and, and <laughs> that's how I see oh, it. Yeah. But what you see, what you see is what you, what you see is what you get from you, and uh, that's the big thing um, that people will, down in France also see. Hey, um, rugby coffee. Why did you decide to be uh, an ambassador for us after we approached you? Um, oh, it was. I remember when you when you phoned me up and explained to me, you know, what it was about, uh, you know, what you wanted, and and I, uh, it was, it made it quite an easy choice um, because I rugby such an inclusive sport, and um, for me, it was a massive way of giving back to the sport that I've enjoyed and loved, and you know, I've I've loved and enjoyed uh, something that quite a lot of people and. Um, you know, some unfortunate kids and unfortunate people in, you know, different environments and communities don't get um, the luxury to do. And, you know, if there's, you know, rugby coffee um, can help them up on the ladder like uh, rugby has helped me, then, you know, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, we're very honoured to have you and thank you for being an ambassador. Um, I'm going to do the last bit, you know, if I put a word out, reply back in one or two words immediately, um, we'll do three or so words and then see what we get from you. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah, all good. Okay, scrum. Uh, penalties. <laughs> Referees. Uh, penalty. Oh, a whistle. And backs. Uh, gobbiness. <laughs> Good man. Look, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This this was Sam Nixon, a young player, a front row player. Um. Uh, amazing to chat to you, but and thanks for uh, all your background. Uh, I know we're almost an hour now, um, but I'm sure people are going to enjoy this um, podcast. Um, 
really looking forward to see seeing you progress in, at Bayon and the rest of your career. And um, yeah, and thanks for helping us to make a difference um, in the game through rugby coffee. So um, wish you all the best. Yeah, thank, yeah, thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, no, obviously, it's uh, I'm honoured to be part of the uh, the, the brand. Well, we'll catch up soon, Sam. Thank you very much. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye.